1: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com/slash host. This is Leaf's morning take with Nick Alberga and Jay Rosehill. Now
0: we got a fight started here right off the bat with Rosehill.
1: 30 minutes of live, non-stop Leaf's talk starts now. Kyle Dubis messing around, there's no doubt about that. Presented by Points Back Canada, it's the Tuesday edition of Leafs Morning Take. Nick Alberga and the returning Jay Rosa. What's up, Rosie?
0: What's happening, my guy? Yeah, lot's going on in Leafs land. I'm excited to get going.
1: Yeah, how we feel on this Tuesday. Definitely has that winter feel still here on this February 28th. I think we have to do it. Away with these fucking groundhogs, man, because they're they're just they're not hitting anything these days, man. I know the Leafs are hitting on some stuff, but the groundhogs suggest that spring's coming early. Next thing you know, there's a massive blizzard in Toronto. More snow coming on Friday. Uh, I know I shouldn't complain because you're out west, but still, it started piss me off a bit, but
0: yeah, it's weird. This February, I've been in a t-shirt outside for the majority of it, and now some uh, some ugly stuff's happening, but it could still come true. You have a nice March, and then pull into April. If everything melts, we're going to be just fine for the plofs. I uh, appreciate the optimism. Uh, before
1: we get going here, and a lot to cover, as you see in the thumbnail, and Cal uh, Dubas, I think, delivers again. I know in your three hits uh, back on Monday... Uh, yesterday I guess you brought up the Milan Lucic fight but I thought it only did it justice for you to break down the Lucic fight in real time in person so we're going to play that on your screen and now it's Lucic against Curtis McDermott for over the weekend and I could have easily started a rosy tweet segment but I just stayed out of that so I'm gonna let you break this fight down okay
0: yeah I didn't think they wanted to go man and then once they break loose it's like oh baby and Lucic has got that boxer stance he's got a boxing background he likes to stay back and stay poised, get a good grip. And you can see he goes straight down the barrel. He doesn't have these big haymakers, and he's a big enough boy where he packs power right down the middle. And you can see McDermott's trying to get offense. I want to get the best of this guy. I want to get – and then he leads right here. Catches him one, and he leads. Bonk. Oh. You just can't take one of those down the barrel on the chin. It doesn't matter if you're 6'5", 240, Lucic. And then afterwards, man, he gives him them... look at that. Eesh. Luch looks after him and stares him down after him and says, "You like that big boy? You want a piece of me? You just fucking got it." So that was cool to see, man. I know Luch isn't that old, but it seems like he's been around forever and he's got to fight these younger big boys. It's every it's every guy's peril when they get older. The younger, more energetic guys come after you, and man, he handled himself so well there against no slouch of any stretch of uh, Curtis McDermott there. Watching that again, was an he's epic just trying to go crack. all offense. It was, yeah, doink.
1: It it was an (laughs) epic scrap, but I, I, yeah, no, he just one-punched him, and Curtis McDermott's one of the tougher guys in the league, so it led me to believe that maybe Lucic is pound for pound the toughest guy in the NHL right now. I don't think anybody wants to go him. I think that was the bigger story. Somebody actually wanted to fight Milan Lucic.
0: Yeah, was it, what was uh, a little while ago, he had a a quote where they said, you know, Ryan Reeves, "Do do you get hesitant when you fight against Ryan Reeves? And he goes, Ryan Reeves is worried about me, bud. And I love that Mm. quote because Reeves is all of a sudden the self-professed heavyweight of the league. He was pretty quiet back in the 2010-11-12 era. Now that all the big boys have kind of moved on, all of a sudden he's doing the belt and flexing (laughs) his muscles literally and all that stuff. And it'd be fun to remind him that uh, there's still some big boys left in that league in Milan Lucic. So I'd like to see them go, that's for sure.
1: In your peak, in your heyday, do you think you'd have a shot against Ryan Reeves?
0: yes i get a shot against anybody i fought tougher guys than ryan <laughs> reeves like i said he wasn't the toughest guy in the league back in the day and he is now but uh i don't know you got the McGrattans and some of the just all those big boys yeah. that anyone can fight anyone any day if i fight him do, do i win do i lose who knows we could fight five times and have a few different outcomes and that's just the way it is but uh as far as professing one guy's untouchable that's just not the story
1: did you ever dance luchich or you always said or won him or nobody ever won him right
0: no, I went Luchich. It was uh oh, it was did. kind of a big one in Boston where the his jersey ripped off and we like re squared up again. He went into this boxing stance and started like jabbing like a boxer and it was uh <laughs> it was uh kind of a cool scrap actually, kinda of memorable. So pull it up. Yeah, we should. I didn't
1: realize that you fought him. I thought you had said a couple of shows back that you never won him. But um, what's what goes through a player's mind? Like you you obviously had the background. You had scrapped quite a bit in your career. But when you're going against Milan Lucic, man, like just you look at the dude and he's imposing. Then you look at the team he was on. It's
0: imposing. It's scary. Not scary, but it's like there, there,
1: there's a bit of anxiousness, no?
0: Yeah, for sure. Anytime you go one of the big boys, you, you're ready for it. And you're like, hold on. This is going to be a bit of a ride. And you're kind of... Your your uh everything spikes. Your adrenaline spikes and you get that dump of adrenaline and and you just have to unload and it's just a desperate unloading of energy to try and make the best of uh what's about to happen. And that that's really all you could do. That was my strategy. Just go as hard as you possibly bloody well can and just be desperate not to lose. And usually it ends up uh being all right.
1: Well, if you break down that fight sometime, don't worry about that. Remember to subscribe, tap that like button, leave us a review wherever you're checking us out. And don't forget theleavesnation.com for the very latest on all things. We're in the process of migrating over to our very own YouTube page. Approaches and subs, which is great to see you so much for everybody to support out there at the Leafs Nation 401. At the Leafs Nation 401, if you haven't subscribed and you're watching right now here on the Nation Network YouTube page, please subscribe at the Leafs Nation 401. Thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns, drop us a line in the chat down below here on YouTube. And we'll get to it a bit later on in the show. But for now, let's get over the boards. All right, Rosie. So for the second time in, I guess, roughly 10 days, Cal Dubas swings for the fence and he picks up a defenseman, picks up another depth board. They acquired Jake McCabe and Sam Lafferty and two conditional fifths. uh, As you see the tweet out there. Forgot an (laughs) X. Turn out the least (laughs) gutty. One of my favorite tweets of all time from Jay Rose. Rosie tweets, it. will make a return. You were on fire with the tweets the last couple of days, but your initial reaction <laughs> when you saw that that trade go through the wire, there it is on your screen. What would you think?
0: Uh, I was happy to see, you know, inserting a defenseman in there, a guy that had been talked about for a few months for sure. Um, a guy with some background to him, with some ability to him. I think our back end definitely got better. And, you know, after that Ryan O'Reilly trade, we said to each other, you know, is... If anything's going to happen here, we hope they uh, solidify the blue line a little bit. And they did. And again, you know, you give up some picks and stuff like that. But I mean, look at what the Tampa Bay Lightning just did. They just absolutely unloaded the future draft picks for a grinder, essentially. And they're talking about, screw the picks, man. They're not going to mean anything here. We'll, We'll get them back down the road and we're not caring about that. And it's like, you've been to three finals in a row. Uh, you're going to start to think about, you know, how can we continue doing that? It's probably not unloading all your draft picks, but they seem to uh, put the hammer down. And I was happy to see Jake McCabe and, and you throw in Sam Lafferty as well and another bit of a blockbuster. Yeah. And to be honest, I think there's even room to shuffle around some contracts and some money and and maybe just throw one more defenseman in there and I would, I'd be drooling over the roster.
1: Eventually, I do think to your point about Tampa, it's going to catch up to them. But what the Lightning like doing, and it's something we've seen in the last couple of years, especially under Julian Breeze, they like paying for cap certainty. And I think that's exactly what's happened here with Kyle Dubas. Um, the salary retained, I think the money retained on the, the McCabe contract, I think is phenomenal to have. To have Jake McCabe at two million bucks um, through 2025, I think is incredible value, especially yeah. when you're looking for a replacement for Jake Muzzin, who knows if he'll ever skate again in the NHL. And number two, in this cap world, when you're paying all your big boys the big money, it's so amazing to have defensemen get paid like that, who can play up your lineup the way Jake McCabe can. And even having Lafferty next year at one year at $1.15 million, to really help to the depth of the bottom six. He's having a good year. So all around, I look at it as a win. I think in terms of the assets they gave up, uh, Gogolev, you know, who knows in that front, Joey Anderson's a fringe AHL type guy. We've seen him bits and pieces in the NHL this year you give up a first in 2025, a second in 2026, like you're kicking the can down the road. So quite frankly, I had no issue. I mean, considering some of the deals we've seen, as you referenced the Tampa one, I think uh, the Leafs got pretty good value in this deal, Rosie.
0: Yeah. I mean, just put the shoe on the other foot. Let's just say the Tampa Bay Lightning acquired Ryan O'Reilly and they got Achari and they got some depth and they get McCabe on the back end and Lafferty to solidify, you know, some of that depth up front and, we unload draft picks out the ass for kind of a grinder. Uh, we would be pulling our hair out. We'd be screaming all kinds of obscenities at Kyle Dubis. It's time to give him his due. And I understand yeah. that this isn't proven to be a winning team yet. But honestly, that's not Kyle Dubis's. It's not his job to make that a winning team on the ice. It's his job to put names on pieces of paper. In the locker room with the coaching staff and the leadership in that room, it's their job to gel and make it work on the ice. It's Dubis's job to get the deal done and get those guys in the locker room. And I cannot imagine anyone, even the biggest Dubis haters, could say that he hasn't done a hell of a job here at the deadline and it's still not even over. Yeah, bottom
1: line, he's put this team in a position to win, uh, not only around but to win the Stanley Cup. So let me ask you this. Assuming Kyle Dubis would like to return, assuming the Leafs would like to have him back, uh is it is it time to give him a contract extension like I, I do fully agree with you in the past i haven't agreed with everything he's done but i think on paper i mean there's not much more you can do you picked up ryan o'reilly wins the con smite trophy nola charlie's having a great year jake mccabe's gonna add to the depth in the back end lafferty to the bottom six like you really can't naysay what he's done so far still a couple days left but would you give this guy his extension right now
0: Yeah, I don't think they will, but everyone, you know, we're sitting there going, oh, he's earned it and stuff, and they're not even caring about that. Him and Shanahan are sitting down daily talking about, you know, the the day-to-day operations of this team and the trade deadline. His contract is not even in the back of anybody's mind right now. I believe he's going to get re-signed. I'm quite sure he's confident he's going to get re-signed. Even if some massive meltdown happens in the playoffs again, Again, I don't think that it's going to be on him. He has given them every chance they can that he can give them to be successful. Look at the roster. Look at the names you just had up there. It's like this guy's put this together in a salary cap era, got all these players to sign and be traded and play in Toronto. He's, he's beefed up the blue line. He's done great things with the goaltending. The forwards speak for themselves. He's got firepower out the ass. And he's rounded it out now on the bottom six. It's just like there's nothing this guy could do differently. And to fire him because this group doesn't win on the ice would be ridiculous. And I don't even think it's it's on the their minds right now.
1: Hey, you played in the league, man. It's a results-oriented business. You can do anything you want. Yeah. You don't win. You're done. Um, so let me play devil's advocate, though. Imagine... A scenario let's say they lose in the first round of Tampa <laughs> what a, what an exit that would be for Kyle Dubas because they have fucking nothing else to trade but like nice right they've pretty much dealt all their draft picks they've gone all in does that give you an indication that Kyle Dubas you know you, you, you have to think thinks his job's on the line again we don't know what's going on behind the scenes but he's pretty much gone all in here to suggest yeah my 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 job's on the line with this team no
0: yeah, I just don't agree, man. I don't think he's worried about his job. I don't think he's hammering panic buttons. I don't think he's terrified. I think he knows where he sits. And maybe that is he knows or he thinks or he has an idea or there's been some indication from Shanahan that, hey, if we don't get it done in this first round again or if shit hits the fan again, you know, it's going to be, you know, heads are going to fall. Maybe he does know that. I don't think that's the case. Again, I think that what he's done, who are you going to bring in some magical magical man that's going to do better than he's done with this roster again it's just names on paper that the GM has to do and it's up to the rest of the dressing room to make it happen on the ice and you have given them more than enough to be more than successful in the first round of the playoffs and if it doesn't happen I don't think you you roll his head and say you're the reason we lost and we're gonna we're gonna move on to to who who are you gonna move on to that's gonna make it better you're just gonna be starting from scratch. And the same problems are going to be whatever those problems are. I don't think anyone has ever figured it out in Toronto yet. And all you can do is put the best team on paper and and try to get it done in the playoffs. And I I, I think he's thinking more about how are we going to win? How are we going to make this team the best? I don't think he's saying, how am I going to save my job? How am I going to stay in this role?
1: Personally, I think you're to something because the onus is now firmly on the players. The GM, everybody involved saying, hey, we, we've done our best. We, we've helped your ass yeah. out big time. Like, look who you have on your roster. You have a consummate winner from a couple of years ago. You got the big four. Um, you know, everything has a line for this team. But unfortunately, again, they're going to play Tampa in the first round. It's going to be a battle. The Lightning just picked up Tanner Junot. It's going to be a great series. We all know that. But it is a results-oriented business. So looking forward to that. And uh, on top of that, I do expect a bit of a corresponding move over the next couple of days. I know Kyle Dubas was rather mum on the conversation yesterday when he went met with the media in Seattle, saying a lot can happen over the next couple of games. I don't know if that was like a wink-wink, nudge-nudge. Somebody's going to get hurt and be done for the regular season. But you just never know in this era. It happens, believe it or not. Um, but I, I think there's got to be a corresponding move. So i ask you this. The odd man out. It's probably got to be one or two of Kerfoot, Hall, or Engvall, right? They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's
0: plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yeah, and to me... I would just like to see Hall kind of bounce down the road. Nothing against him, nothing personal. He's a he's a good NHL player, better than I was. I'm not saying any of that stuff. But just I feel like when he's a deciding factor in a game, it's because of a negative thing. He is rarely, if ever, a deciding factor or a big implement in a game where he's making a difference towards the positive it's usually he's like a placement holder almost he moves the puck here and there and when he's not on his game he makes the mistakes that cost the game and he's been better of late of course i'm just saying if you can get rid of his what is he two million dollars this year if you can shove that off which they have yeah. to do anyway just to activate murray give someone that that could use him on a different roster under different circumstances different pressure different market and develop him up and see what he can become. Someone could use him, get a draft pick back for him, free up $2 million, and then now you have another space for – you know, maybe a Luke Shin or another defenseman. I would just like to see them beef up this defense one more man and one more spot. And then I'm just licking my lips for the playoffs because I think they have done literally all they possibly could. I didn't think they could do this much at the trade deadline and they've already done so much. Now I'm saying, well, shit, sky's the limit. Try to get another thing done. And we know we got to move somebody out, but if not, I agree. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a Kerfoot or an Engvall or something like that. They make enough money where you know they could justify moving them out to to free up some space.
1: Of course, there's a route of going, hey, Matt Murray's gonna stay on LTIR, LTIR, excuse me, for the rest of the season, which is a possibility. It is Matt Murray. He can get hurt, you know, getting out of the shower, quite frankly. But uh, all <laughs> signs point to this guy being activated later on this week. So, again, barring something unforeseen, an injury elsewhere, or or a change to Matt Murray's status, I. I think obviously there's a strong likelihood that somebody or a couple players are going to be out the door for for a cap reasoning. And never say never. Again, there's some time to go. I, I Again, I do agree with you. Uh, you can never have enough depth come the Stanley Cup playoffs. And I think to that point, and I believe Kerwin made a great point in the chat here, that Mark Giordano, man, the guy's like 39. Um, he's been playing some epic minutes and prefers that and all that. But I think you have to do your best to start You know, channeling some of these guys in anticipation for that opening round against Tampa, in anticipation of a longer run in the Stanley Cup playoffs. They have to start thinking about stuff like that. And again, I I don't think you can have have enough depth on the back end,
0: right? no you can't and when you look at when you look at the Stanley Cup winners man it, it is depth on defense and it's goaltending that's what wins it and i know that that hasn't been the leafs problem necessarily i think uh like you've mentioned it before a lot of people think that you know they're yeah. not good enough on d and they're not good enough at goaltender position and and that is true to uh to a degree but when you look at the playoffs and look at the games and look at the series is that they have lost it's been because they haven't been able to score that goal that they need to and they're losing 3-2 and they can only muster two goals in 60 minutes it's just not cutting it and and when they get down and have a bad break or a bad penalty kill and they get down it's like okay a good team's gonna come back and they're gonna find a way to score in that last seven minutes of the third and they just don't fucking do it so that has been their problem and i obviously you look at their forwards that you should have addressed that I mean they're just loaded and again to win the Stanley Cup you need the back end and the goaltenders to be rock solid which I think they have definitely improved from last year and I don't believe that Tampa is a better team than last year so all signs point to this being a good matchup for the Toronto Maple Leafs as tough as a series as it will be I believe they will be favored and they should win this series
1: they're nearly a Samsonov uh, injury away from the season being lost. So I'll just say that, man, I got no faith in Matt Murray, but I was, I was laughing yesterday, man. Like Nick Richard, who I had on the show a couple of weeks ago, does great prospect work over at, at the Leafs put out a poll. If you had to send one hacking, would it be Engvall or Kerfoot? I, I was stunned to see this poll like split down the center, man. It was like 51, 49 in favor of keeping Kerfoot. So i ask you this question. (laughs) Kerfoot or Engvall, I know where the answer is going to be and what it's going to be, man. There is no wrong – well, there is a wrong answer, and it's it's clearly
0: number 47. Uh, I I like Kerfoot more than I like Engvall just from a fan of the team standpoint. But when it comes down to production – I think Engvall is is just better. He produces more. He's been scoring lately, and Kerfoot has kind of been non-existent. I know he's been bumped down to the the, the depth chart. He's been put on that fourth line. He's not getting the minutes, and you could sit there and go, "How am I supposed to produce with that?" But Engvall does seem to get the job done a little more. But I just he does bother me more that he's got that big body and he just <laughs> refuses to use Long-ass it. And I'm too. like, buddy, can. I would just get that guy in a room and say, listen, I don't care. I don't care what you like to do. I need you to finish your freaking hits out there. And to bang, you got a huge body, and we need some of that. If you look at the hits that this team has compared to other teams, it's like non existent. It's like single and double digits. And then you're the three guys we've brought on here recently have got hundreds and hundreds of hits. So we've upgraded in that. But in the playoffs, when it's a war and it's a grind, I think yeah. a guy like that needs to bang the body. But unfortunately, I think he's more valuable than Kerfoot right now.
1: It's it, that's a good breakdown, man. Again, I agree with you. Um, Kerfoot's obviously the better player. But I think you look at deployment in the lineup, he's not playing in the top six, especially now with Ryan O'Reilly in the mix. Um, You know, who's the better bottom six plug? And I think the edge goes to Engvall, believe it or not. I'm with you. Like, I wish he could be a bit more physical for that frame. He plays like a guy who is 5'8", who I play, you know, in uh, EASHL and NHL 23. Like, it's just, you you need that combination of speed and toughness and not even grip. Just a guy who's going to throw his body around a bit. And I think to that point, obviously, there's a bit more purpose with like an Engvall in the bottom six. So I'm very curious to see who's in, who's out over the next couple of days. There has to be, in my world, at least a corresponding move for this team. So let's set up the schedule for the remainder of the week uh, into Western Can- Canada, your neck of the woods, at the Oilers tomorrow, at Calgary on Thursday, at Vancouver on Saturday. As a Leaf, what's it like to play in that swing?
0: Um, it's nice. Uh, sometimes it's like a welcome change to get out west and get on the road. Uh, you see some different parts of the country, some different weather, people are seeing family and whatnot. And it's uh, it, it can go one of two ways. I mean, it can be a horrible trip. We've had horrible trips on the west coast earlier in October, which seems like a distant memory now. Or, or you can you can really find your game on the road and gel and you know you go out with the boys it's a good time to get some camaraderie going, get some beers in you that's when you know if you ever have a new colleague in anything it's like hey do you want to grab a drink after work and instead of like the pleasantries around the desk you crank a couple beers and have some laughs and shoot the shit and then the next day at work it's like hey buddy what's going on and you have that camaraderie and Obviously, they went to, you know, the Boss Concert last night, Springsteen Concert in uh, Seattle, I believe. Um, I don't imagine there's too much to do in Edmonton, and uh, it'll be a short trip, uh, most likely in Calgary. But it's just nice to get on the road, see some different things, see some different barns. And, you know, there's a lot of fans of the Maple Leafs out here, too, so they'll get to kind of experience that. I know tickets are through the roof. It's all going to be sold out. Everyone loves it when the Leafs come to town.
1: Yeah, I was laughing that they had the opportunity to get into Edmonton early. Of course, their last game was uh, back on Sunday in Seattle, and they're like, "Now nah, we're good. We're going to stay in Seattle. No, we're going to check out Climate Pledge Arena. Of the two options, I would say Seattle's probably the better, having not been to either city, by the way. But uh, I thought that was interesting, and I- I'm fired up for tomorrow's game, Thursday's game, especially tomorrow. Any chance, any opportunity, you get-, you get to see Matthews go against McDavid in the season he's putting together. Got his 50th goal last night. They were close against Boston, but no cigar in that game. Like, it's going to be a lot of fun coming up tomorrow night in Edmonton-Rosie.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a nice little uh, back-to-back for sure. Uh, Something that the Boston Bruins are doing right now. And uh, it'll be Mm -hmm. interesting to see them test themselves against those teams, not teams we see very often. But again, as they start to uh, get towards, you know, trying to stranglehold that home ice advantage, these points are very important. And I imagine that uh, they'll be stressing that here this week.
1: The wrap up is brought to you by our friends at Points Back Canada.
0: Take the floor, good sir. Yes, sir. Well, I'm going away from my typical point and assist props, which I find tons of value in those things. You look around and you just pull up the the stats lines of the teams and look at who's got the most assist. Guys get assist 85% of the time and they're plus money. I love jumping on that stuff, but I'm veering away today and I'm taking the Boston Bruins coming into calgary and when i first looked at it i was just going to blow by it because i assumed it would be minus 190 or minus 210 or something like that and i got him at minus 130 on the money line and i mean markstrom just had a baby Um, some people could think, oh, that'll spark him and he'll be rejuvenated and have perspective and maybe, but he's probably just going to be tired as shit and have an absolute whirlwind of emotion and have more important things on his mind than a hockey game where he's struggling this season. It's probably not his, his sanctuary by any means, if he even plays, which he very well may not. So I just, I just think with the Bruins being on a seven game heater right now, the Flames just continually seem to to drop games and not have it. And there's frustration setting in and coaching, you know, questionability and their stars aren't getting it done and their goaltendings fell off, fell off the map. So I got the Bruins at minus 130. And to be honest with you, I'm even sprinkling a little bit on the puck Ooh. line minus one and a half. Looking for that empty netter at plus 190. Like, I don't know where I must be missing something with the value here, yeah. but it's just too good to be true for a Bruins team against the struggling Flames team. I got them all day. No,
1: I think it just shows you the market believes in Calgary for some reason. Like, I think if there's a, you know, the the reason why you're seeing that number with Boston, it's the back-to-back. But don't forget, like, the Vesna winner, Lena Salmark's going to play in that game. Uh, you know, Swayman played last night. Boston's an absolute wagon, so I think there's significant value in that. I just think the market's always waiting for Calgary to go on a run. Let's not forget, going into the season, a lot of people picked the Calgary Flames to win the Stanley Cup, so we all think they're going to go on a run, but it's just not happening And the goaltending has been downright atrocious, whether it's been Markstrom, Vladar has been better. But I just, from a betting point of view, I just have no faith in Calgary. So I'm pretty much fading them down the stretch here.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's it's just not been there. Huberto has not settled in very well. I, I don't think they're yeah. seeing eye to eye very much with Sutter and Sutter's just been, been Sutter all year. And I think, uh, you know, it's just a tumultuous time in a team's identity when you just can't win. Nothing's working. Nobody's hot. Nothing's firing. Talking about firing coaches everything is just negative and it's just a bad space to be in and it's easy for guys just to go on their own and it's and split apart as opposed to come together not saying they're going to do that but just very difficult and then you have the Boston Bruins coming down the the QE2 there to to, to meet them after taking care of Edmonton last night I I just there's just I just don't see the value in that and in this Bruins teams on a heater like I said I don't think Put any stock into the back to back. I don't know why everyone just goes crazy about oh wow. Let's mm-hmm. change the line like crazy. They're on a back to back. Oh, they're gonna. Do you know what good a fucking shape they're in? Do you know where they're sleeping? Do you know what kind of food they have in their body? Do you know what kind of massage therapists and and physiotherapists and people taking care of their bodies and their rehydration? Guys get IVs if they want. They just got to drive down the highway to Calgary. Like settle down. These guys are in the t- top shape of their life. Prime athletes. Look at. Other sports, how much they play like the World Cup and how it just doesn't matter, man. I just don't think that's a big deal at all. When you play more games in, in a week stretch, I think you can more likely to get in a groove more than anything. You think these guys are tired? Oh, my gosh, I can't play today. I played 24 hours ago. Get serious. I don't take that to, to any account at all.
1: Yeah, I think it's a tired tired narrative, man. I've been talking about this for like 10 years. I don't know who put all this weight in a back-to-back, but it's a much different league than guys yeah. hacking darts back 15, 20 years ago in the <sighs> National League. But nonetheless, a uh, quick look at the chat before we wrap here. Kerwin writes in, a Time to give Gio some rest nights. Tim agrees with him. I agree. Bring down his ice time a bit. Then come playoffs, he is good to go. Uh, TML writes in, which roster players will be gone on Friday? We talked about this in segment two. Hall, Kerfoot, Engvall with the question mark. Yeah, two of those three I could see in a deal. Just never say never with Kyle Dubas. Seems to think outside the box. So we'll see on that front. Uh, Sean writing in from Timmins, Ontario. What's up, Sean? Uh, Tim also uh, writing, uh, it's giant slaying year. Tampa first round, Boston second round, Carolina third round. Bye-bye Zamboni goalie uh yeah what's with that by the way like David Ayers is still living off that Zamboni game man. like I, every, I laugh every time Carolina throws something this guy's always there man like go back to your job
0: <laughs> I know it's kind of weird it's like uh it's happened in other situations it's happened in Toronto and it's like uh they just live and die by that I guess there's just not much to talk about but there should be because there's such a good team in the east this year but Kind of weird, but going back to the roster thing. I mean, keep in mind Kerfoot makes a million and a quarter more an angle so maybe that could weigh the decision as well as far as you know when you got that cap crunch in time i mean bringing in a guy like luke shan eight hundred, nine hundred thousand dollars, could make yeah. the difference between which guy you're keeping and whatnot so that plays into effect too we'll, we'll see man it's gonna be interesting i uh i'm very very happy with the trade deadline so far and all the action that's happened. it gives us lots to talk about and lots to be uh excited for especially this week
1: this is a good one your boy owen poser Bro on the left looks like Kadri. It's funny he brings that up, man. And, and we see that in the screen right there because um, when I was at All Star Weekend in Florida a couple of weeks back, I was flying home back to Toronto and like these, this, this kid and his dad came up to me They're like, are you a national leaguer? I was like, oh, I wish. No, I'm just like, I told him what I did. And and the one's like, oh, we thought you were Nazem Kadri. I, I still, I, I should have rolled with it. You know, we have a lot of similarities. You... Uh, I went to school in London, covered Kadri when he was a London Knight. So I should have just went Lando. with it, right?
0: Yeah. you could man like be your when i met you in person i was surprised that you were like six foot three you could wheel around and act like yeah. you're a national leaguer for another time i got a I story of two buddies of mine coming to coming to visit me in philadelphia and pretended they were two guys on the tampa Bay lightning it was a <laughs> mockery of a night so i'll have to tell that story next time
1: <laughs> yeah please do that i do walk around like i'm national league anyways but i could only wonder if i was actually in the show how i'd be my ego's already here imagine If that was the case, Uh, Sean writes in, would love JVR on the second line. I just don't know if that's going to happen. They just, there's not much cap space remaining. And Owen Poser goes on. He's really giving it to Leafs fans. Bro, Leafs fans show support. Us Oilers fans are always talking in the chat. There's hardly any activity in this chat. We'll hold you to that, Owen, and we'll hold you to that game coming up tomorrow night against the Oilers. Appreciate you stopping by. Brainwash writes in, Cider from the Red Wings. I just don't see that happening. They're not trading that guy. And uh Sean Steele or Sean Steele, excuse me, writing in McCabe wearing Ian Turnbull's number two. So uh looking forward to tomorrow night, Rosie. Uh, and looking forward to tomorrow's show. We're gonna tee up the Leafs and Oilers and assuming that Jake McCabe and Sam Lafferty are gonna make their Leafs debuts tomorrow.
0: Yeah, that'll be good. I'm excited for it. And in my opinion, that is Luke Shen's number two. There might be a scrap Ooh. over it here Ooh. in the next week. Ooh. Oh, I don't know. Luke, you I might I, have to buy somebody really, a watch.
1: Maybe if the price changes, I can see it, man. But like, I don't know how quick e- or Vancouver's going to be. Like, you know what? We'll take Justin Hall in a deal. We'll take Kerfoot in a deal. Because I was, I was poking around yesterday. I said, you know, what's the likelihood to some people who are tied in? What's the likelihood that maybe Vancouver gets in on Kerfoot? Maybe they include Shen. But having said that, you know, Shen was supposed to be moved like two weeks ago, when it's still going down. So maybe the market has dropped. Although I do think things are going to pick up when it comes to depth defensemen, obviously in the next couple of days. So we'll wait and see on that front. Uh, excellent stuff today, Rosie.
0: Yeah, right on a good week ahead of us. So stay tuned. We got lots coming, and I imagine there's going to be some more fireworks. So many thanks to producer Alex, and
1: that's Jay Rose Hill. I'm Nick Alberger. Thanks so much for listening and watching. We'll talk tomorrow. Take care.